Uh, it is really good to see you. Really good to see you. <sighs> okay. I'm going to pray a moment. You know that prayer isn't about the words, but about the connection, right? Let's um, just like turn our focus towards him for a minute. Father God, that song that we sung, <clears throat> then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. That moment, oh, to have been sat in that tomb, in that moment, when that dead and buried body began to breathe. And I thank you, Father, that as another song says, because it's quoted from your Bible, that the, uh, the same power that conquered the grave lives in us. We invite you to come right now, God. We don't want to learn more stuff. We want to discover more of who you are. We want to be changed by you. So please come challenge us, inspire us, encourage us. Give us a kick and a cuddle as appropriate. Speak to us. We love you, Lord. Okay. <clears throat> well, um, we've been doing a, uh, a series at the moment. Anyone particularly who's brand new, just to put this in context. When we, uh, this church started about nine and a half years ago, so about ten years ago, we started to write down a little bit of what our vision was. In other words, why are we even coming? And obviously you express something as a five-year-old, what do you want to do when you're old? You express it one way when you're five, but quite a different way you'd like to think when someone's 18, 20, 25. So we have felt encouraged by God in the last nine months or so to reimagine how we can word the things that as a church we're going after. And we have, after a lot of toing and froing and praying and fasting and all kinds of um, other spiritual exercises, um, mainly trusting, we have settled on a series of them. And they look like this. So increasing people's connection to God as Father, the, the one thing that we keep saying because we want it to be heard over and over is increasing people's connection to God as Father is like my hand is right now. And all the other five aims sit underneath. So increasing people's connection to God as Father sits over the top. And then all the other five sit underneath. They are not equally weighted. The other five are more equally weighted. Number one is not equally weighted. It is the foundation of why we exist, really, is because we long, God longs, to adopt more people into his family. And we long to tell people they have a God a father who just adores them. And that's a, that's a big thing. So we asked Amy Waters if she would do a little bit of work for us in creating this into something that's actually pleasant that um, people can take away. She's come up with this, which is amazing. We love it. And so the six aims are on there. It's actually Asher Vineyard Green. It just doesn't look it up there. But you've got the six aims and then all the little kind of mini sub aims that sit underneath. She's done another version as well, which is wonderful, which we're looking forward to getting printed up, which looks just like that, but it has a white box underneath. Um, and then it's going to come with a white bulb marker. And so you can write on that week with your family or something and you can decide, write it along the bottom, which one you're going to specifically go after as a family. So you might write on, donate some food to the food bank. And then you can tick underneath which one of those 
therefore which one of the aims it is, which is relieving the symptoms of poverty as it happens. So um, they're very exciting. They're not printed yet or anything, and they will be um, coming out in due course. So this is what we're looking at today, <clears throat> improving people's health and well-being. Two what we call sub-aims sit under that. Sub-aims really isn't a nice word, but we just can't think of a better thing to call it. So these two here that you can see, reducing symptoms of illness and creating spaces where people feel they belong and can contribute. So to give you the premise for this, bringing life to Ashford is what we are about here, is what we stand for. It, that is why we exist. And it's really from this that Jesus said, where he says, a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. So Jesus came to, posh word, inaugurate the kingdom. He came to bring his kingdom. God's rule, his reign, his way of doing things, God's plan A. And really, that that you can see there on the screen, I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. That is the kingdom coming fully. Now, we haven't got time to get into when the kingdom is going to come fully, uh, etc. But nevertheless, that's what we aim for. That's what we long to see. So the way we came up with these six aims is to really go back to the Bible and then to ask the question, what would it look like if God's kingdom had fully come in Ashford? Would there be hungry people? No. Would there be sick people? No. Would people be living fulfilled lives? Yes. Would they be in connection with God as a father? Yes. Would they know um, shame? No. And some of these things, you, you read through the Bible and you start to build up a picture. So we then said, these are the things we need to go after them. We need to actually try and put them into kind of layman's terms that people can grasp and we'll say, these are the things we're going after. So... The first thing, um, I'm actually going to deal with number two first. So creating spaces where people feel they belong um, and can contribute. Now, you might immediately look at this and think, I don't remember Jesus ever saying to his disciples, right, you need to go and create spaces where people can belong and they can contribute. But absolutely, Jesus modeled this throughout his life. In fact, if you go right back to the beginning, um, of the Old Testament, so right at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis. If you go through to about Genesis 12, God started to call out Abram, changed his name to Abraham, and said, I want to make you the father of many nations. And he said, I'm going to make you into a community, and as a community, you are going to serve. You are going to love others. You're going to create a place where people can belong, and they can contribute. And it's something that Jesus, um, Jesus then echoed. So to belong is to feel like you're in the right place. You feel happy or comfortable in a situation. That's what the dictionary recommends, is to feel like you're in the right place. You walk in somewhere and you say, I belong, uh, yeah, I belong here. This is good. I feel like this is home. Strangely home. That's what belonging can feel. Now, Interestingly, belonging often, in fact, rarely relates to a place. When people say, I feel like I belong here, which some people do when they walk into the warehouse, 
which is a miracle because it is just a warehouse. Um, but the amazing thing is some people feel that they belong, but it's not because of the walls and the heating duct and the, and the asbestos stickers. It's because of what they sense in here, what they feel in here, how they are made to feel when they're in here. It's to do with God's spirit in this building. Like God loves to hang out here and we keep trying to invite him more. Come more, come more, come more. That's what people feel. That's why they say sometimes they belong. Maybe they feel that people feel like they belong when they come to your home. Well, that's because you make them feel special. You acknowledge them. You greet them at the door. They don't ring the doorbell and you leave them stood there. Or you open the door and then just turn around and walk away. They don't feel welcome. They don't feel like they belong. No, you make an effort. You make them a cuppa, offer to take their coat off them, pour them some wine, whatever it is, whatever um, your poison of choice is. So through all our projects and activities, we're trying to create places where people feel happy, comfortable, and where they can identify with what the culture of that room is. Do I feel like I belong in here? Now, there's an incredible book. Um, his name escapes me because the title has got nothing seemingly to do with the rest of the book. But it's about, it's about really this issue. And apparently people have decided within seven minutes of entering a space whether they belong there or not. Well within seven minutes. So if you take this place, then seven minutes will include the car park. So probably even before the service has begun, people have already made their mind up whether they feel like they belong here or whether they don't. So it's a real challenge for us to make people feel that they can belong. Because if people feel they can belong, then they can start to take part in something. They can start to contribute. And this really matters because it matters for people's emotional health and it matters for the thing that's going on. One of the best ways to help people, we can all get like this, I know I can, Particularly if I'm feeling unwell or I'm a bit down or something, one of the most depressing things I can do is think about myself. It's really depressing. Because as if in any way looking into myself is going to make me feel better. I don't mean there isn't a time for reflection. Of course there's a time for reflection. But in actual fact, one of the things we can do that best helps us is in the midst of our trouble, our difficulty, our pain, is find a way, if we can, and it's not always possible, but find a way where we can start to contribute, we can start to give out. I'm sure many of you have been in that situation where you have deliberately like, still done the thing, you've still stepped out, you've still gone to try and help someone, even though you're feeling a bit naff, or maybe even very naff. There's something about it that makes such a difference. A recent study by the United Health Group and Optum Institute found that 76% of people who have volunteered in the last 12 months said it makes them feel, wait for it, healthier. 76% of people who volunteer somewhere said it makes them feel healthier. 25% say that volunteering helps them to manage a chronic illness better. 78% said that volunteering has lowered their stress. It's not just volunteering. God's model is 
that we belong and then he invites us to be part of a story that is bigger than our own. That's, that's God's invitation. He says, you want a venture? Let's go on a story that's way bigger than you sitting staring at your own navel. It's an adventure. That's what we're invited on. Interestingly, I heard some data this week. came from a very reliable source. It's about Americans, actually. So no offense to any in the room. 39% of Americans in 2019 said they felt more anxiety than when they were in 2018. Four out of every 10 Americans feel more anxious in 2019 than they do in 2018. And they didn't even have Brexit. So imagine what our figures could potentially be like. So what we see is Jesus invited his disciples. His disciples belonged, if you like, to him. He, I mean, he didn't own them. It's not like that. But they were, they, were in his, they were in his gang, without a doubt. He said, come follow me. Come learn from me. And the idea was you found a rabbi and you sat under that rabbi and learned from that rabbi. Like a rabbi just meaning simply teacher, and they modelled a life to them. So you'll see in um, the book of Mark, in case anyone's taking notes, you can write these down, that Jesus sent out the 12. He said, right, you've seen me heal some people. You've seen me do this stuff. You've seen me tell people they have a father who absolutely loves them. You've seen me tell people that God's kingdom is at hand. It's like it's there. It's just there. Off you go, into twos. Off you go, they probably had to line up at the door, holding hands in twos, uh, you know, and Jesus sent them off. And he said, I'll give you all the authority you need. You've seen me do it. Probably, I don't know whether he laid hands on them or not, but he said, right, off you go. Go and do it. And he sent them out to contribute. He sent them out to be part of a story that's far bigger than each of their own lives. And of course, they came back and um, they had an incredible time and they come back and go, whoa, even the demons submitted to us. You should have seen them, Jesus. They were doing this and they, they, they did one. And Jesus must have been going, brilliant, fist bump, high five, all that stuff. You know, hands in. Um, Jesus would have been thrilled. And he said, but I tell you what, I know the demons submit to you. You should be even more pleased that you're written in the Lamb's book of life. You are in God's family. You're celebrating the fruit of being in God's family, and that's fine, and yeah, yeah, that's really great. But you know what? You're in his family. That's even more amazing than being able to like, celebrate the fruit of being in his family, which is you have the power and authority and the mandate to go and bring that kind of life. So Jesus did that with the 12, and then, good model this, he used the 12 and then added 72 to them. Gave the 12 a special badge saying, monitor. They loved that, I bet. I don't actually know this happened, but I bet it did. Um, and so Jesus made them a monitor badge, probably out of wood, a little bit of carving that he probably did from when he was younger. Um, and then uh, he sent the 12 out with the 72, and he said, the 72, same thing. Listen, you don't need to take anything with you. Don't worry about it. I've got this. Well, Jesus, you're not coming. Yeah, Father's got this. It's okay. I've given you all authority you need to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy, heal the sick, raise the dead, da, 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 and so on, and sent them out. And then we see right at the very end of the book of Matthew, so this is another one of the books that tells us about the life of Jesus. One of the last things Jesus did um, after he died, actually, uh, came back to life, was he said to everyone who was present, by then I think there was about 120, according to the beginning of Acts, roughly, 
And then that mandate has rolled over to us. Go. Go. Make disciples. He said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. The roaring lion said, the grave has no claim on me. Jesus went, took the keys. The worst weapon that the enemy had has now been absolutely written off. It's amazing. And we are part of that story. So he said to them, go. He says to us, go. One of the problems actually with the early church was it stayed. That was one of the problems with the very early church. We look and, in Acts and go, wow, it's amazing. Yeah, but most of what we're reading about isn't really, isn't really the stuff. It's really just the stuff of a few people, actually. So some people have argued, well, they, they didn't really particularly do well at the going. And obviously, we can't all be itinerant. So creating spaces where people can feel they can belong and contribute. Just a couple of ideas of how we can do this. So invite people into the spaces you are in. It is you who makes them feel they belong. I've got to, just, got to do this to you and just tell you, the word welcome written somewhere doesn't do it. It doesn't make you feel welcome. Anytime you see the word welcome written, it should be an echo of what the culture is like in that place. We've all done it, right? We've all turned up somewhere and it says welcome and the irony is palpable because people blank you. They're too busy talking to their own friends. They don't notice you. They can't remember your name. I'm terrible at that. I'm so sorry. Um, and they don't make you feel welcome at all. It's something I look out for. Funnily enough, I look out for this specifically on a Sunday morning. And if I've ever had to cut you off mid-prime and you're telling me your life story, I, again, I'm so sorry, but sometimes you're talking to me and I see just over your shoulder, I see someone who's brand new and they're stood on their own. Now, it might be that they, they want to be, but I want to know that at least five people have said, do you want to come and sit with me? Can I get you a drink? Do you know, it's brilliant to see you today. I was praying before I came. I made sure I was early to be able to welcome you. I know you're all you're 11.30 as you're like, we're always here early, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is obviously for the 9.30 people. I, I understand that. There were some people here this morning who were brand new this morning at the 9.30 service. They turned up at 10 to 9. I know. Imagine the welcome they got. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> Bit like that it was this morning. Um, why not try being early somewhere? You can't welcome someone if they turn up before you. And we heard this this last week. I've quoted this to Nick so many times. She hates it. And it's this. It's easier to be early than be on time. Just let it settle. Let it settle. It's easier to be early than it is to be on time. And the person who said it said, my family has not got the finesse to be on time. So it's just much easier to be early. Convict them, Lord. <laughs> Convict them, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. I've quoted it to Nick so many times. I'm on about two a day at the moment of quoting it. She is loving it. Can I just point? She is loving it. Um, but, but just like joking aside, you can't welcome someone if you're not there for when they get there. 
we had to pick Kennedy up, or we offered to pick Kennedy up from the airport this week. Um, and actually, we'd been at the National Leaders Conference up in um, Nottingham, the Vineyard National Leaders Conference. So we purposely left a night early. We stayed in a hotel halfway there. We worked out the distance. We've got an electric car, so you have to charge it. We worked out that time. We worked out the average traffic and length of time that it takes at that time of day. Da, da, da. All because you can't leave someone standing at the airport if you want them to feel welcome. And the only thing normally standing in the way of us getting somewhere early is simply our time management. That's all. So it's not, not nag at you. I'm just talking to myself too. I try to leave rather than I know the only place I turn up on time. There is one place. It's the dentist. Everywhere else, <laughs> everywhere else, I try. I try to get there at least five minutes early. Because what if... What if on the way to this place, God has me bump into someone who just needs something spoken over them or they just need praying. I haven't got time. I haven't got time. I haven't got time. I'm running late. Blah, 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 that thing. Dentist, you're on your own. I get there on time. When I had to have a tooth extracted, I actually calculated the length of time it would take me to cycle there. Took one minute off and arrived. They kept me waiting 40 minutes the longest 40 minutes of my life. Anyway, I'm over that. Um, so, <laughs> and of course, the other thing is invite people into a story bigger than their own. It's not enough just to say, hey, welcome, where are you from? All that kind of thing. Invite them. Draw something out of them. People want to contribute. They want to feel a part of something. Um, and it helps them. It helps the thing that you two are doing together. It strengthens your relationship. And it puts a smile on God's face for sure. So the next one is uh, number one, because we're doing it back to front. Reducing symptoms of illness. Now, some of you might say, this is healing. You basically mean healing. Yes, but you can't easily use the word healing because it gets a bit confusing. So, for example, you pray for someone who's got a bad leg and they go from an eight to a two. Have they been healed? Well, what do you mean by healed? Exactly. So let's talk about reducing their symptoms. You could say they had pain in their leg and it was at an eight, it's now at a two. Brilliant. Good. So we can celebrate that. Because you can say to someone, maybe their pain goes from an eight to a zero. Yeah, I'm healed. They wake up the next morning, pain's at a three. Oh, I thought I was healed. No, 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 you're in a, it's okay. The, the battle has been won. You know, you, you just, you just got to scrap this one out. And so sometimes the language can get confusing. And to be honest, if you want to work with non-church agencies, let's talk about reducing symptoms. People know what symptom reduction is. It's only the Christians who get het up about the language, say, well, you mean healing. Call it what you like. I don't really mind what you call it. So we might as well call it something that people who don't think in terms of healing can understand. So... Um, John 10.10, 10, this nothing missing, uh, nothing broken. It's so easy to see that God's heart is not that someone is sick. It's just not his plan. I mean, I'm, I'm a naff dad. Like, compared with God, I'm a naff dad. And there's no way I want my kids to be sick. There's just no way. I love them way too much. And like, if ever they are sick... You, you just want to be able to take that sickness off them, don't you? And just, you, like, you could do anything you would to just say, I, I, I want to take that from you, 
I'll, I'll take it for you. A bit like God did in Jesus. So one thing I know absolutely for sure is I never meet a sick person and think God wants you sick. God's teaching you patience. God can't handle the sickness you've got. Your sickness was self-inflicted. I don't think those things because that's, that's not how God treated people. When those sicknesses were self-inflicted, Jesus tipped him a bit of a wink and said, I'd stop doing that if I were you because it's not going to go well for you. So we have this amazing account in the Bible. <clears throat> I looked up in this Bible. This is the Infographic Bible. I highly recommend it if you like info, infographs. Um, <laughs> what, what's the what? Infographics. Okay, yeah, if you like, or infographs. Um, so it's like all kinds of things about the Bible done in infographics. Um, so I turn to the page that says the healings of Jesus. Okay, this is what I'm just going to read them out literally the thing he did. So this is from all four of the Gospels, the four books about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, combined. Here we go. Many sick and demon-possessed people. Demon-possessed and sick people. Demon-possessed people. Many cured of their diseases. Many sick and demon-possessed people. People in the crowd. People in the crowd. Many people. Large crowds. Another two blind men. Blind and lame people. Many people. Many people. A few people. Many, a few people, just because he was in his hometown. Uh, many sick and demon-possessed people. Many sick and blind people. Many sick people. Ten men with leprosy. Two blind men. A man with leprosy. A paralyzed servant. A paralyzed man. A woman with a bleeding issue. A man with a deformed hand. Demon-possessed blind and mute man. Demon-possessed woman. Demon-possessed boy. Man with an evil spirit. Bartimaeus the blind man. Young man who had died. Demon-possessed and sick woman. High priest slave whose ear had been cut off. A man who had been sick for 38 years, blind man, Lazarus, who died. Peter's mother-in-law was sick with a fever, dying girl, mutant demon-possessed man, deaf man with speech impediment, blind man, man with swollen arms and legs, and the official's dying son. And John says, if everything Jesus did were written down, there wouldn't even be books enough in the world to contain them. Jesus seemed to be in the healing business. And it's only really when you see them in a list like that that you realize, oh, that's not the same as the previous one. No, he really did cast out a lot of demons. Popular subject these days. And then Jesus says this, I am telling you the truth. Those who believe in me will do what I do. Yes, they will do even greater things because I'm going to the Father. Greater things than that list? Yeah, you'll do even greater things than I will. Wow. Jesus, what, raising the dead, crippled hand, like all that? Yeah, 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 you'll see all those and more. And sometimes I come across people who just are skeptical about healing and like, I get it, I get it. I've been skeptical about healing. Just don't stay skeptical. Because by the time you've seen the first leg straight and you think, oh, they probably wiggled their foot and probably just kind of, you know, push that. By the time you've seen 10, your skepticism starts to give way to faith. Wow, my God really is an amazing God. My dad rocks. He is amazing. And you pray for a number of people, and when we go out on hots, we don't see everyone we pray for healed. Nothing like. We only see about 80 to 90% reduced symptoms when we go out on the street. 10 to 20% failure rate. 
It's not really failure. Don't take that word. We're learning. We're all learning. Coming to the church setting and people really feeling relief of symptoms drops to about 50%. Don't know why that is. Anyway, this is a girl. I'm about to show you a little video. And this is a um, wonderful girl called um, Keely. She was coming down the high street. We were just about to finish. It was about three minutes to one. It was freezing. Um, and she came down the high street, and like you do, with so many, most of the people just walk past you, or no thanks, mate, or um, whatever. And I said, anything we can pray for for you? And she said, uh, yeah, I've got a really painful leg. She said, I did it in like a gym class earlier in the week. I said, oh, yeah, we can pray for that. Anything else? And she said, I've got a really painful heart. And I said, like physical pain or like emotional pain? She said, emotional pain. I said, oh, bless you. Do you know we can pray for that too? Listen, it, it doesn't need to be me, um, you know, six foot two bloke out there. I said, we've got, we've got some ladies over here. Someone will pray for you. Do you want to come over? Your friend can come too, if you like. Um, and I said to a friend, do you want to get your phone out? You're going to want to, you're going to, want to film this. And so they came over. And the, film, the friend really did film it. And then when, when we'd finished, I then said to Keely, do you mind if I just capture a bit of your story? Because we'd love to be able to show it to other people just to encourage them. And she said, oh, no, that's fine. So um, this, is, uh, this is Keely, and it should all start playing, hopefully. So this is Keely. So Keely, can you just tell us quickly, what's just, uh, you just had some prayer. What was that for? Uh, one was for my ache in my leg down in my lower part from where I hurt in fitness and one was from a loved one recently. And how is your leg feeling? So much better. It feels, when I walk on it, I feel nothing, like it's been released. That's amazing. And did you, how about your heart? Yeah. I feel happier. Like, I know there's people out there that still care that will help me through it. Oh, bless her heart. Just bless her heart. Just beautiful. I asked God a little bit about healing um, this week. Because this one can easily become, it, 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 in the church, healing seems to have become, if you're not careful, it becomes an obstacle for people. It becomes such a complicated thing. People, people make it, when I say they make it too big of a deal, I don't mean they make it too big a deal for the recipient. It's like, well, I've tried praying for someone once, it didn't work, and da, 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 I'm not really sure it works. I, I don't know what I think. Well, I just saw it happen over there. I, I think maybe it's just made up, and maybe it's psychosomatic. Da, da, da. It, just get, it just gets all like, all like this and weird and complicated. And I was asking God about this and said, how do we do reducing symptoms of illness without people feeling like there is any kind of performance and you've got the knack or you haven't, that kind of weird stuff that we get into. And I felt God say this, healing is not a trick I perform. It's a longing of my heart to see my children whole. It's not about God says, da -da 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 -da. watch this. Sometimes God is like that, like this is amazing, but it comes out of God's heart that says, oh, Chris, please, I'm, I'm going I'm to make sure you're stood in a certain place because I've got this, I've got this beautiful girl called Keely, and she needs some prayer and she doesn't know 
but I've actually had to call someone to bump into her in another shop to slow her down so that she's at just the right time. And I've been waiting for this moment since before time began because I knew Keely would need a touch from me. And you have that privilege of being, I didn't even pray for her, but you have that privilege of being involved when you increase people's connection to God as a father and you see symptoms reduced of illness. That girl has gone away changed and we are all invited into the same thing. You don't have to come out and healing on the street. I know it's scary. I feel scared every time. But that's okay. You can do it. And we can do it in our workplaces. We can do it when we go from here. We can do it any time. And we just are bold enough to say our best prayer. And you might think it's a rubbish prayer. But if it's from your heart, it's your best prayer. And it can just be God, heal them. And then you can leg it. It's okay. At least you've done it. At least you've done as you were asked. Maybe you've prayed for a number of people and you haven't seen the change that you long to see. Well, I've prayed for 15 people. They all got worse. I know that feeling. I've prayed for a number of people and haven't seen them get well. But you see, I don't have the right to lower the standard of Scripture to my measure of breakthrough. That's uncomfortable enough that that probably needed writing down. But that's okay. I don't have the right to lower the standard of Scripture to my measure of breakthrough. Basically, if I don't see someone healed, I consider it an invitation to greater fruitfulness. God, I want to learn. I want to learn. I'm tired of praying for people. I don't see them get well. I only see one in 10. God, I'm going after two in 10. I'm going after three in 10, four in 10. God, I want to get to the stage where cancer has to bow the knee. Has to bow the knee. I don't know about you. I'm tired of people dying of cancer. I'm waiting for the church to rise up and tell coronavirus where it can stick it, frankly. Because when Jesus, by Jesus' stripes, we were healed, coronavirus, last time I checked, was nailed to the cross. We have authority over that. So we need to finish. So these are the two that we've been looking at, reducing symptoms of illness and creating spaces where people feel they can belong and can contribute. God longs for wholeness for each of us. Like His heart breaks for it. And please know if you are sick in any way, if you are long-term sick, it is not a punishment. It is not God's will for you. His heart goes out to you. And I'm sorry that as a church, as a group of people around you, if we haven't stood by you enough to learn how to get the breakthrough we need, because the problem isn't on God's end. He's not saying, no, actually, no, you're not getting healed. That's not God's heart. It's like you're with your children, you know, you've got two children sick. Oh, no, you can be well. No, you can stay sick. What kind of father's that? So we want to keep going after health and well-being. We want doctors to be referring them to us. Just go to the door. Ring the doorbell. Someone in Asher Vineyard, they're seeing these amazing results. I don't even believe it myself, blah, blah, blah. But go. Just go to them. We're seeing cancer healed. We're seeing leukemia healed. We're seeing back problems for 30, 40 years here. This is what we want to see. We want the word to get around the medical community. That'd be exciting, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, th I think so. And it would help, you know, 
I do have this dream. I don't actually know quite how it will work. And we've way overrun. I'm just finishing. Nick's going. Um, I would love to like do our own A&E, like outside A&E. Like, wouldn't that be amazing? Like picturing actually what that looks like, that they come into that little tent first. And then rather than going through that tent to the other, so they, they go, oh, uh, seems I'm fine. I'll be off then. And they go. That'd be amazing. God's not going, oh, you are stretching it. What if God's going, how about it? Shall we? Maybe. Let's stand. God, I thank you. You are passionate about us knowing that we belong. And I thank you that you say to each of us who've said yes to you, you say, you belong. You absolutely belong. And there's an invitation for people who haven't said yes to Jesus to belong. And I thank you that you also ask us and invite us to contribute and say, honestly, you will really enjoy this. There'll be times when you'll find it hard, when you'll be stretched. But this is what you were born for. This fruitfulness, being part of an adventure and a story that's bigger than your own. Father, please give us the heart to see people whole like you've got a heart to see people whole. We love you, we love you, we love you. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to our podcast today and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.